Hey, as Morgan mentioned, as we've been listening and praying and seeking the Lord and asking the question, uh, what is your heart for women? And specifically, what is your heart for women here at Salem Alliance? Um, the deeper together picture came up. And the other thing that's been stirring is, what does God's word say about God's heart for women? What can we learn from his word, from the narratives that include women to the instructive verses that are to women or about women? What can we learn about what God thinks of women, how Jesus treated women, how Holy Spirit empowers women? What can we learn about God's heart for women from his word? So that's what we're, that's going to be the thread or the theme of the gathering for this year. Of course, the theme of retreat also ties into that with um, the God who loves us. And we're just going to be exploring what can we learn from God's word about his heart for us as humans, yes, but then even more specifically as women. What is it that God is saying to us this year together? I think that our world is so polarized right now on so many things. But I would say one of the things that you and I have probably universally either experienced or at least witnessed is a place where women were minimized or um, got paid less for the same job as a man or who got a different certification for doing the same work as a man. Or And, and I am not a, this is not a chip on my shoulder. This is not a rise up women. But it is a moment to say we would be remiss if we didn't recognize that our life journey has included a world that is in a um, real wrestling match with what does godly womanhood look like? What does godly manhood look like? How do those two things go together? What is a woman's role in the world? What is her place in the world? Is, it even, is that even the question we should be asking? <laughs> you know, what is, what is God called women to? And, and, and Again, this is not what I set out to talk about. I don't want to, I, I don't have a chip on my shoulder. My posture towards this is, God, you are good and you love me and I will follow wherever you lead me. And I want to have a winsome, humble, um, gentle spirit um, as I lean into whatever it is that God calls me to. But as we look at God's heart for women, I think part of what we're going to be peeling back is some of culture's expectations or the things that maybe even are under the waterline in our own lives that we didn't even realize there was a layer under there that maybe we thought that God thought women were second-class citizens because of the way it kind of plays out. And as we, as we explore this together and we see his goodness and his richness and his love and his grace and his mercy, I think it's going to help us um, sink into his love and rise up with his empowerment. Um, not in a rise up women, but in a rise up into the kingdom that God has called you into. So that's what I'm excited about this year. And where I want to start is actually really simply um, in the genealogy of Jesus. As I, was, as I began to look through, okay, so where in the Bible do we see God talking to women? Do we see women who are in the stories, who are the protagonists of the stories? Where do we see God at work intersecting with women in, in the lives of the people in the Bible? And this was one of them that I came across, and as I was reading through it, and some of this is not going to be new to any of you, and for some of you it might be the first time you've heard this. I don't know. Um... But it's this fascinating thing that in the genealogy of Jesus, so I'm in Matthew chapter 1, 
And it's when they are explaining that from Adam to Jesus, who everybody's father was. There's all these generations of, and -and so-and-so had this son, and this son had this son, and this son had this son, and this son had this son, and all the way down to Jesus, which is very appropriate for the patriarchal culture that Israel was, that they would be naming the, the, the route of the genealogy through the fathers. And yet there are four women mentioned in this genealogy, just just four. And and it goes, it's his son and his son and his son, who was the wife of this, and his son and his son, who was the wife, and his wife was. And and, and then you take a look at who the wives were and you go, oh, oh, what can we see about God and his heart for women simply in the, 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 guys, this is the administrative list. This is the record keeping. This is the, you know, the U.S. census. This is just the, and yet in even the simplest details, what can we see about God's heart for women? So I'm not going to read the whole genealogy, but I am going to read just here from verse 3 through a little bit more till we get to four of them so you can count. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram, Aminadab, Aminadab, Nashon, Nashon, Solomon. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. So we have Tamar, we have Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And Obed was the father of Jesse, Jesse, King David, David the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba. Okay? We've got uh, Tamar, a rejected wife who posed as a prostitute in order to get her father-in-law to give her an heir. We have Rahab, who was a prostitute who hid the spies. We have Ruth, who was an immigrant. And we have Bathsheba, who was either a willing participant, which makes her an adulteress, or an unwilling participant, which makes her sex trafficked to a powerful man. One of the other is true of Bathsheba. These are the women of all the wives, of all the fathers, of all the sons that were in the line of Jesus. What was God trying to tell us? What was he doing here? So here's what I'd like you guys to do at your tables. I actually don't want to do all the work tonight. I want you to do the work tonight. So I'm going to assign each of your tables uh, a little something to look into. And you're going to pull out your phones and pull out your Bibles and look some things up and do a little bit of Bible study, okay? So you're going to look at the story that comes up, and you're going to then talk amongst your table about, okay, if this woman is listed as one of the ancestors of Jesus, one of the people who was bringing the promised Messiah, who was part of ushering in the kingdom of God in the world, what does that tell us about God's heart? Does that make sense? So what's her story? See if you can find a little bit more about it. Some of these women... um, I think it might be Rahab is also listed in Hebrews chapter 11. So I'm just going to give this table Rahab. And you guys need to look up Hebrews chapter 11 also and see where she's mentioned there. And what does that tell you about God's heart? Okay, so you guys have Rahab. You guys in the back have Tamar. In the front here, you have Ruth. And in the back, I always forget one, never the same one. But who do we have? Bathsheba. You guys have Bathsheba. Okay. You guys can choose. Okay, you can choose any one of the four and take a look at it. I'm going to give you like 10 minutes or so. Um, Dive in, read the story, and then as a table, talk about what does this show us about God's heart towards women? Okay? All right. Okay. We're going to come back here for some table summaries so that you can teach each other 
which is the best way, right? We learn the most when we have to dive into it to try to share with others. So I actually threw a curveball at this table, and I asked them to kind of consider just the whole genealogy and why did it matter that he named women in the genealogy. And it sounded like they were having a great conversation, and they laughed pretty hard when I, they heard me say they needed to summarize it. I think that's what I heard a laugh about. Maybe not. Anyway, Morgan, why don't you come on up here with that microphone, and would one of you kind of tell us what you talked about up here as far as what does it say about God's heart that these women were named? Rhoda's got it. Thanks, Rhoda. So we kind of talked about the redemption. Mm -hmm. um, all of these women had some yuck in their life, but they were included in Jesus' story and lineage because God redeemed them. Um, they're pretty special women because the fact that they were named. Um, I looked up the meaning of genealogy and we get all kinds of definitions, but one of them talked about pedigree. And so if, if you're looking at pedigree, there's usually purebreds and they're very quality animals and those, and I'm not comparing us to animals, <laughs> um, but they're, they're very special. And so we're like, these, these women that were included in God's genealogy are significant and in there for a reason and pure and lovely. And um, what else did we talk yeah. about? Culture and, yeah, and that these women were in situations that were difficult and, and yet that that whole redemption piece um, where God redeemed them and and uh, pretty significant to be in the lineage of Jesus yeah thank you and then we'll pop back here since I let you guys have your choice tell us who you chose and what you talked about here at your table um, sure. we chose Ruth um, and just discussed what we knew and remembered about her being an outsider having a great deal of loss, um, chose to stick by her mother-in-law's side, leave what she knew. Um, Susan pointed out during a time where there was no um, constant rule, that there was chaos hmm. amassing, um, and that she just kept her head down and did the next right thing, not looking for anything, and that she was noticed by... Boaz and was redeemed by Boaz. So in that, God has used people who are outsiders, people with loss, people who aren't looking to be noticed. Um, yeah. And and she's remembered throughout generations. And Karen pointed out that a modern day Ruth could be a refugee mm -hmm. who has come in and is just doing the next thing that God rises up. Yeah. Thank you. Yep, our new neighbors doing the next right thing might be one of those pure, lovely, here-for-a-reason, special people that God has placed for kingdom purposes. Okay, let's come up here because this table was also Ruth. And so uh, summarize what, what we talked about here. Thanks, Pam. So we um, talked about that Ruth was not just an immigrant and a foreigner, but she was a non-Jew. Um, that she was inspired to follow her mother-in-law, and that it was a story not so much of Ruth, but as Naomi, too, that she was a woman who inspired um, and, and kind of led uh, Ruth uh, to her God, and um, that 
Ruth um, not only commits up to Naomi's God, but to his, pe- his people and Naomi's people and their customs. And we decided or talked about how God used somebody unexpected um, to be the ancestor of Jesus. So he's the God of the unexpected, I guess. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Pam. One of the lines I love that um, somebody at our table said was, we often come to church thinking, I'm not good enough, um, but God uses everyone. Uh, not just his Jews or the per, you know the pure purebreds you know the the pedigree but 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 everyone okay let's pop back here then who did you guys have again Bathsheba, Bathsheba thank you Julie nominated <laughs> Julie uh, just got elected I think I, I think I did um, I know I don't want to just say my opinions. Um, one of the things I thought, and I think a couple of people agreed with me, um, <laughs> that they were named. Being given a name and a place of your own in that day is important. And though she was there as an heir, you know, Solomon was her heir, it was her, herself, that was named um, more than just Solomon mm-hmm. coming after and there are so many other women, right, that were also part of this process. But she got a name. And in the story, I mean, um, Melissa mentioned, you know, Bathsheba doesn't really take much place. Things are happening to her. And she doesn't have much voice. And I think we've all found our place, ourselves in those places of like, well, this is just what's happening. And I have to go along with it because I really don't have choice. Um, and here she is given name and place, which I think is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So a woman who didn't have much choice given a name and a woman, Ruth, who had all choice, was encouraged to go back to her home and made a choice. Um, I like this. Seeing, I like this. Okay, back here. Thank you. We had Tamar, and one thing that I think was really striking about that story was the idea that God uses imperfect people because Judah and Tamar held each other accountable. What was interesting was Tamar was acting like a prostitute, even though she wasn't, and of course uh, gets Judah pregnant. And what was so interesting was how Judah was saying to Tamar, you're more righteous than I. So it was just, it was a total reversal. Hmm. Total reversal. Yeah. Thanks, Tina. Tamar was in an impossible situation. If you don't know the story, uh, in Jewish culture and in, in, in Jewish religious law, if you're married and your spouse dies without giving an heir, then you're to marry his brother, and the first child is the oldest brother's heir or your first husband's heir. And if he dies, then next, well, two husbands had died, and Judah only had a youngest son left, and so he hid his youngest son from Tamar. So Tamar had no heir. She was a widow, but she wasn't because she was still legally bound to this family who she was supposed to be married to the youngest son. And so she put herself in the place um, to encounter her father-in-law in order to give an heir to her first husband. And what an impossible, impossible situation. And here she is named. Yeah. Okay, uh, you guys up here. Um, so we noticed how Rahab had a lot of influence in her community. Um, when they were looking for the spies in Jericho, the king came to her and asked her specifically um, 
And so we just noticed the influence that she had in that community, but also um, her faith and what she said to the spies of, we've heard all the stories about how you came across um, the Red Sea and all that. Like she just had so much faith already in this God that she had not really encountered. And um, her fear of God was greater than her fear of the king because clearly she chose God's way and chose to hide the spies and um, was rewarded for her righteousness. She's named in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews, like you pointed out. Um, And it also says in James, um, she was justified for her work. She was made righteous by doing Mm -hmm. what she did. Mm -hmm. Um, So just the way that God saw her um, in this pagan city with no faith, she had faith. And he saw her and made sure she was remembered and that she was brought out safely with her family. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Uh, Morgan, thanks for carrying the microphone. Here's one of the things I'm just noticing as we're all talking. So Ruth married um, an Israelite who had come to her country. He died. She followed her mother-in-law and put herself at the feet of Boaz. She kind of offered herself to Boaz and said, hey, you're a kinsman redeemer. Do you want me? Bathsheba was mixed up in a messy, adulterous, murderous, um, with a king. So we don't really know, but we do know that David, the king, gets what he wants. So she didn't have much choice. Ruth chooses to follow Naomi's guidance towards Boaz. She doesn't really have much choice. Tamar throws herself in the path of Judah. So the way that all of these babies were conceived that are in this lineage is very interesting. But Rahab... Rahab has a husband named Solomon. And how did he choose Rahab? How did, what, what set her apart? And, and how did she move, go from being a prostitute in Jericho to a member of the community of the nation of Israel and part of the lineage of Jesus? And each of these women had a different story. But here are some of the things that they have in common. Um, they wouldn't have been what you expected. Most people would have seen them as lesser than or sinful or maybe the one to blame. You know, maybe she was too seductive. Maybe she was too, I don't know. But yet, but yet Rahab is named, I love that you brought out, that she was made righteous. How? By her faith. How was Abraham made righteous? By his faith. (laughs) It's our belief in Jesus. And so this picture of God as redeemer, okay? So these women, uh, somebody said, what's the word that was used, were in difficult positions and because of their culture and the way that things just happened and worked. And I would say that they were in impossible situations. Uh, Ruth was faced with extreme poverty. Um, Rahab was faced with death. Tamar was faced with an, a lonely old age. And Bathsheba was just faced with, what in the world do you do when your king kills your husband because he took you as his own wife? I mean, these women were in impossible situations, and yet they gave birth to a son who 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 eventually became the Messiah. And when we pray, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, these women were named in the journey in the genealogy of God's kingdom coming to earth in the same way that it is in heaven. And it's this picture that has captured me that's this picture of redemption, that God's heart for humanity, including women, is that he can redeem anything. He can redeem anything. 
Have you been abused and misused, perhaps even sexually abused or taken in a way that you did not choose to give? God can heal and redeem that. Have you lost everything and made a choice to hold on to faith in God no matter what in the light of that loss? God can redeem that. Have you given way to something? Maybe it was the only thing you could see but a lifestyle that you're ashamed of, that you wish maybe it was a season, maybe it's even now, and you wish that that was not the way that you were living or the not the way that you'd been forced to live, and God can redeem that. Have you felt yourself in an impossible, twisted-up mess and you just did not see the way out? God can redeem that. And not only does he redeem, but then he turns and he blesses and he names you in the hall of faith. I don't know if you heard Miranda call it that. You might, But Hebrews chapter 11 is a, a list of the people of the faith that by faith Abraham and by faith Moses and by faith Rahab and by faith Sarah and by faith. It's, so some people will call that the hall of faith as akin to the hall of fame. And here are these women in the hall of faith, not because of their own works, not because they pulled up their bootstraps and said, I'm going to try harder and do this, but because Jesus is redeemer, because God's heart for women is that he can use anyone, will use anyone, can redeem any situation, will redeem any situation. I want to leave you with one picture, and then Greta is going to lead us, I think, in a couple more songs as we finish up here. But here's, here's the heart that I want to leave you with. It's a picture that God gave me several years ago. And to set it up, I have to tell a story that's a little tender and a little sensitive. So I would just remind you that what we share here when we're honest and vulnerable with each other stays here. This is my story to tell in my places, and you have your own stories to tell. I would appreciate it if you didn't tell mine. Um, I realize this is being recorded, so if you're listening to it on the recording, I ask that of you also. Um, when I was growing up as a very, very young child, I had a strong personality in my life who was very um, strong. Uh, had a temper, was never, was never physically abusive in any way. Um, but I learned very, very early that life was best when I just aligned with this person's opinion and the way that they thought about life. And I sometimes didn't even realize how young I was learning that. And the narrative in my family is that I cried for the first six months of my life, and then I weaned myself, and I've been a perfect angel ever since. That's, that's the family narrative. And there's another family narrative about a person who was listening to me cry during those six months and stood over my crib one night and thought, I've always just been horrified by this, but I could kind of picture how somebody could shake their baby to death because I just need her to be quiet. Okay? So you hear these stories growing up, and you don't think much of it. And then you start going to counseling, and then you start leaning into healing prayer, and then you start understanding what the layers of life are, and you realize, oh, as a very young infant, I understood that there was something that I needed that nobody in my world around me could give me. There was some need, some emotional need to be met that was not being met that I didn't know how to get except to cry. And at some point between six and eight months, I just decided that it, it just discovered that it wasn't going to be met and I better just get life to use life, get used to life without it. And then there's the second story of this person in my life recognizing, boy, I would never do this, but I understand how someone could be tempted to this when this baby just will not quit crying. 
And so I was praying one time about this, this narrative in my life of, God, what is this, this baby in this crib, this, this person of influence who's very angry and very frustrated and who's feeling out of control themselves? What's the eye contact that's happening there? What's the nonverbal cues? What's the, what's the baby receiving from this place of kind of anger and frustration and out of control? And God gave me this picture and, and I, it, this was years ago, you guys, and I can still just see it as clear as day. I don't really see God's face, but it's this little baby bassinet. And, I'm, and the picture is always from my perspective. I'm the baby. And leaning over the bassinet is God. And he is between me and the angry, frustrated, out-of-control person, who I understand I was angry, frustrated, and out-of-control when my kids were crying, okay? But here's me, and, and here's the adult in my life, and here's God, and he's just leaning in close, and he's looking in my eyes, and he says, I know. I know. I know. I know. I can't tell you how many times that picture of God's eyes just between me and whatever it is that's kind of out of control in my life that I feel is whatever it might be, and I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know what it might be that is the threat, that is the thing that you hide from, that is the thing that, that brings pain in your life. And, and does anybody see you? Does anybody know? Can anybody meet the pain that you feel, this loneliness or this ache or this anger or whatever it might be? Can anybody understand what is inside me? And God, he hovers over you and he says, I know. I know. And we know from his word that he can redeem anything and that he names you. He names me, Jennifer. He names you, Karen, Susan, and Megan, and Jan, and Tina, and Uli. <laughs> he names you. He names you his daughter. He names you his beloved. He says, you are mine. This is God's heart for you, that wherever your chaos is, he is in it. He is between you and it, and he looks you in the eyes, and he says, I know it's confusing. I know you don't know your way out. I know that you're afraid. I know. And I can redeem. I am good. And I name you because you are mine. Let's pray. Father, I just have such wholehearted belief that as we unpack and explore in your word together this year what your heart is for us specifically as women, we are going to be blown away by the way you understand how, how you created us, that you know our needs for love and acceptance and friendship and community and belonging and purpose, and that, that we are not too much and that we are not too emotional and we are not, we're not too anything, we're yours, and you can redeem anything. From our earliest days to today and what happened five hours ago, God, you can redeem anything. And so we as your women turn to you and say, we want to go deeper together. We want to be in this community where we will talk about what is real, where we will recognize who you are, and we will allow the truth of your word to transform who we are because it matters and because you know and because you see us and you name us. And so we thank you. In your name, Jesus, amen.